This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Oh, good day. How are you going? Phil Tarrant, host of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I don't even know what season this is. Been doing it for years now, and um, uh, it's buying season, it. Phil. It's buying. It's absolutely buying season. That's uh, Victor Kumar, one of the directors at Right Property Group, chiming in from the sidelines there before he was formally introduced. I also have Steve Waters. He's got his special professional. Both you guys have got special professional microphones. Are you now podcasters before your buyers agents? Is that what you tell people at barbecues? G'day, I'm Phil. I work in the media. What do you do, Vic? Oh, I'm a podcaster. No, no, these are these are just our normal voices. Are they? They are <laughs> raspy. Yeah, we've got that special filter on for yours. Uh, um, I'm sure we can apply a more appropriate one, Steve. Thank you, mate. That'd be appreciated. And do, but um, do you guys like podcasting? I do. It's um, and I, I remember back in the day when we all got together and said, "Oh, look, this would be a great, great idea." We like it because it's well for us, as we've probably mentioned before, and you know better than others. We wing it. Uh, I don't wing it. I'm most planned guy in media. I'd like to put that to a vote on your 400 staff. Um, it, uh, we, we wing it, and we, we wing it, but in a nice way because it's straight from the top of our head with, without having to hit marks and you know, drop telltale signs of goodness. It's just straight raw, unedited. We say that, and um, we some, sometimes need to edit out some of your um, expletives, uh, Stephen. And, uh, and me and Vic, you know, you probably don't know this, but we normally have a chat most mornings before um, we get together the podcast just to, you know, Vic will remind me to be appreciative of your sensitivities, um, uh, wrap you in cotton wool, um, you know, <laughs> don't go too hard at you. And, and, and I sort of get that. And, and I do, Victor, I do like those, um, those reminders. Uh, and sometimes I get it wrong and I sort of take a bit of advantage. But I was just, uh, before we come, Come on air. I was looking at some of the reviews uh, on um, this is on iTunes where, where where most of you folk choose to listen to this uh, podcast. Uh, some pretty good stuff here, but uh, I know Steve, you you like positive feedback. If you're not getting it, you get a bit sort of you know. I like any feedback. Like any feedback. You know, it says one here it says down to earth. I love listening to the show to get tips and insight from these experienced property investors. Wonder if I'm one of them. Uh, they point out so many things that one needs to think about in the journey of being property investor. They graciously share their good and bad experiences and wealth of knowledge for which I'm grateful. That's from KC. Thanks, KC. Um, uh, we do like the feedback. There's another one here. This is uh, some of these are a bit old, Steve. We need some more. So if anyone's tuning into this, particularly. Uh, the uh, right property uh, crew, who um, your client base or those using you, um, let us know how we're getting on. Um, here's another another comment here from Loof, nineteen eighty. Mate, that might be the birth date. Um, I think. <laughs> thank you for helping change my life. Wow, that's pretty that's cool. Nice. Uh, mm. This was the first podcast I ever listened to about property. It gave me the courage to stop procrastinating uh, and take that first step. That's pretty cool going. Um, what else have we got here? I wish it was more than once a month. I've learned so much from these guys. That's cool. Thanks, uh, Hewitt 0102. Best investment podcast here, Vic. Wow. That must have been one that we did when, when you were on leave. Um, when we speak for <laughs> <laughs> this, I've got to be careful. Uh, otherwise, the counselling bill for Steve will go up if, we, if we're too vicious with him. This podcast. You know, I have no emotion, Vic. You know that. There is zero emotion in me. You should see him on auction day, everyone. 
<laughs> yeah, he cries like a big girl when he loses. He does, he does. I've seen it before, crying into his McFlurry at McDonald's there at Woodstock Avenue. <laughs> never um, never lost an auction in my life because it's not a competition, guys. Ooh. This podcast, this podcast, Steve, is worth money. These guys give the best advice for free. It would normally take years to gather this kind of insight from accounts. It's all good stuff. Thank you, everyone, mm. for um for, for writing this. And we do appreciate it. Like, you know, we obviously have a bit of fun there, but um we do take this feedback on board. And, um you know, it's nice to keep us sort of give us some alignment, Vic, for why we catch up and do this, right? You know, mm-hmm. to the point around do we like podcasting? I think personally, I like catching up with you guys. Um, uh, once a month is probably enough for me, uh, but um, uh, <laughs> Pat, but, Pat slapped. <laughs> but the alignment is quite good. The fact that you know, and you got to put it into perspective. Sometimes we, we we jump on, we know each other all pretty well, and we can have a bit of a laugh with each other. And I like to think we can have some pretty informed conversations. But people are actually tuning in and 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 taking action based on what we're talking about. And we take that responsibility very seriously. Look, I think yeah, we, it even aside from from podcast or podcasting and everybody within our space, so all the other buyers, agents and advisors and what have you, uh, I'd like to believe we all take it very seriously. And ultimately, we have the weight of, you know, potentially billions of dollars on our shoulders. That's not just us. That's other buyers, agents and advisors as well. So it's not certainly the industry is not a slapstick industry for the most. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's some really good people in it. Well, this is when I uh, strategically disassociate myself with the profession of buyer's agency and just remind everyone I'm just but a humble journalist navigating my way through the mire of the property landscape. Um, uh, so don't listen to me about anything. Um, you got to listen to these I, two guys. I don't, I don't think anybody does, Phil, just yeah, so I know. <laughs> 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 anyway. Yeah, well, we all know that, but um, my job yeah. is just to, to help see the narrative. But the um, and, and myself and Steve, we catch up. Oh, we, we we sort of fallen out of the habit of our sort of Friday afternoon. What's going on? It only happens sort of during the week now. I mm. got a call yesterday, and I was we were chatting about some stuff, and we sort of got got chatting about my or the smart property investment portfolio, um, plus my my personal stuff. But um, on the smart property investment side, you were sort of giving me a bit of a hard time for um what I would say being as connected with it as what I should be in a market, which is obviously in a uh, a moment of flux. Um, and you'll question me on rents. Um, what was this doing? What was that doing? What, what's the what's the property managers telling me to do? And I, was, I must admit, pretty light on details around it. So it was a nice sort of check-in to, to – to, for me to reinforce me what I know I need to do, and that is to to spend that time sort of reviewing a portfolio. But we're going to put some time aside and do it properly. We're going to do it on air, uh, a smart property investment uh, show. So um, that, that, that'll be happening in a couple of weeks' time. So everyone stay tuned for that and tune into it. We're going to break down the smart property investment portfolio again. Um, there's been a lot of growth in it, and I probably need to um, – and we'll do it before we come on air, Steve, so we got the numbers and facts um, – Mm-hmm. Um, actually work out what the valuation is in this stuff. Some of it's gone up and Sydney has probably come back a bit. I think we're a bit underweight in some of the Brizzy-based stuff. So I'm going to do that body of work. But it was a really nice reminder that you should always be reviewing your portfolio in a structured way. But in a market which is in changing is when you really need to be dialed into it. And I would imagine, Vic, for a lot of your clients who are tuning into this particular podcast, they've got to be thinking about reviews right now. If they haven't done a review with, with yourself or Steve or your team for a little while, it's probably – with, I'm going to do it with Stephen. I'm going to do it on air so everyone can learn from it. And you know, as a as as a client buying that um, uh, portfolio through you guys, but I imagine everyone should be doing this stuff, mate. Absolutely, especially with the changing market and the fact that um, you know the landscape's changed immensely. Interest rates have gone up. 
rents have definitely gone up. Uh, and there are a lot of compliance uh, issues that we need to be looking at and um, perhaps foreshadowing the um, preventative maintenance that we would need to do now uh, so that we're not stung in a year's time, two years time when uh, these things uh, just um, fall out of shape. So it's really important to get regular reviews. And um, this is something that you know we always encourage our clients to diarize uh, and uh, reach back out to us to um, book it in so that we can put our professional eyes over the portfolio uh, and um, bring in what's really happening in the market right now, away from the property managers, away from the um, other advisors to say that, okay, well, this is what's really happening. This is how we see it. And this is what you need to do in terms of um, your property portfolio in line with your goals. So if you do a check-in with with Right Property, what do you do about it? You guys are free and available. I know you got pretty full calendars, but you, you make time for these things, right? We, we always make time for our existing clients. Um, uh, that is uh, a part of our value add. Uh, and it's as simple as uh, if um, uh, you know you, you've been um, largely dealing with me, uh, then you reach out to Melanie. And if you've been dealing with Steve largely, then you reach out to Jenny. They've got control of our calendars, and uh, they will try and sort out a time during business hours uh, for us to actually go through your portfolio and make suggestions. And uh, for some, it may be that uh, you know you need to be doing some radical stuff in your portfolio to um, forestall stuff that's going to happen uh, based on our experience uh, within the portfolio. Um, and for others, it may be just sit on your hands uh, for another year and let's 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 uh, recheck in in a year's time. And it's okay just to do nothing, right? And and that's that's in many ways sensible uh, strategy around it. But then there's also uh, the impact is you don't do something about it and and you know going back to my chat with steve yesterday you know i'm I'm pretty dialed in with the portfolio but i I need to go through and just spend a few hours administratively updating interest rates and and therefore the cost of doing business i I, interest rates going up it means i'm paying more uh interest um but then also making sure the revenue line i I know what rents there are when they're coming up for review um, and what I can do about it. But it's that sort of level of complacency that most property investors fall into the trap of. And I think, Steve, you know, counting the cost of complacency in a market which is changing rapidly uh, can be hugely impactful, uh, both positive and negative. It's markets like this when people can really go hard and, and make a few bucks. There's markets like these where people can go backwards considerably in their, their, their wealth creation journey through um, property. And if I think back on on, on my experience, I've been investing for oh, 15 years, and you guys have probably been at it for 25 years. Um, you got a few more cycles in it than, than I do. Um, if I had my time again, I'd be, I would have would have gone a lot harder when I could have. And here we are again, where I'm in a position where I could probably go harder, and I'm not. And is that complacency, or is that bandwidth issues? Is that something else? I don't know. But I really want to sort of break that down a bit today. This sort of what what is the cost of complacency by by not doing stuff? What can be the impact, positive and negative, Stephen? I've just given one example of of complacency, as in I, I could be further advanced than what I am. Um, sure, yeah. I've done some things different, and the benefit with hindsight is that you get to take action, and when the opportunities to do it again means that you can actually do it again. And I think we're moving one of those markets uh, for those property investors who have the right team around them, finance the financial. Um, sophistication of their, their their situation, but also capacity. You get stuck mm. into it. 
I think well, complacency is measured on both sides of the ledger, right? So we have the complacency of a lack of connectivity to what you already have, uh, as you pointed out with yourself at various stages, and we're all guilty of that. So that could be something as simple as the bottom line, income and expenditure. Uh, rents are a great example, and I know we've banged on about that over the last probably dozen or so podcasts, but it, the reason we do that is because it is that relevant, uh, especially in such an evolving environment uh, in terms of rents that we have across the whole nation. Uh, and if you haven't looked at them in six months, there's a good chance that you're somewhere between 10 and 20% behind where market sits. So that's on the on the income expenditures, quite obvious, I guess. That's the biggest cost is going to be rates. Uh, and we've also talked about that many, many a time over the last 12 months or thereabouts. Be ahead of the curve. You know, get liquid while you can, while there are great comparable valuations, while you have serviceability, whilst the the rates and the policies uh, are generous, I guess, is a way to describe it. So that's one side of the ledger. The other is the opportunity cost. And as you rightly point out, and Vic and I have done the same and we've had many a conversation around this, is that if we look back through those two dozen or so crises that we've had since we've started, ranging from as most recently the uh, COVID all the way back through to the abolishment of the low doc loan in the early in the early 2000s, we can honestly hand on heart say that we wish we had gone harder when we had the ability. Now, there is some caveats to that, being that it's all good to say, I wish I was, I, I was going to, but it's not about that. It's more about did I have the opportunity? Was I connected enough? Was I prepared enough to take advantage of the opportunity as opposed to just saying, well, yeah, I could have, I should have, I would have. But the fact is, you didn't. So that connectivity on both sides of the ledger is ever so important. And what I believe we're seeing today is a lot of people are buying into the, the one world market, meaning mm. that everything's screwed. Uh, yeah, the pooch is screwed. Everything is falling apart. Um, there's not a square inch of dirt in this country that is going to hold fast or even to potentially perpetuate uh, in terms of its value from whatever the aspect is. And burying the head in the sand, I guess, will will hurt you in the years to come. In fact, I, I, I believe that fast forward five years or thereabouts, there are going to be a lot of people throughout the world, but let's just talk about our space in terms of investing, that have added another zero to their net wealth position. And I believe there are going to be a portion of people that have probably lost a zero to their wealth position over the next five years because of complacency. Are you going to be one of those guys, Steve? Going to lose a zero, make a zero? Well, it depends who I hang around with. People like you, I don't know. Boy, yeah, well, it's funny lunch. what they say about you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're the median of the five most people you hang around with, right? Um, yeah, you know, tongue and take the tongue and cheek out. I'm actually a very firm believer in that. Yeah, you, know, you are the sum equal of whoever you hang with, mm. um, because they they, they tend, tend to um, you know by osmosis you tend to absorb their thoughts, their processes, their fears, uh, and um, you find a common ground. And that, that's where you start to stagnate, right? So you, you stop growing. Mm. And well, speaking of growing, Vic, that beard of yours is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen him on the interweb lately. On the, uh, the I do like your Facebook lives, though, uh, Vic, um, your, your updates. Uh, uh, let, let's just say Vic, Vic ain't scared of change. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not scared of change. I, I hate change, but I'm not scared mm. of change. Change brings opportunities. 
See, it gave, gave you the opportunity. A, hang, on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. This that, that's a, that's really quite sage. That you, what would you say? You you hate change, but you're not scared of change. No, I'm not scared of change yet because change actually brings opportunity. Mm. So so we're in a changing mode. Oh, I guess you'd always say property is always changing, right? Mm. But is it changing more now than than at uh, other look, times in the last decade? Now, give me some sense for that. No, there's there's all there's all this change, right? So whether it is a buoyant market, whether it's a market where people are le- uh, you know less buoyant or scared, hence you know, changing interest rates and so forth. There is always opportunity. It's just what opportunity you're capitalizing on in line with that market phase and also in line with your affordability. So mm-hmm. we know that the rates are going up. And so if your adage has always been, not uh, subscribe to it, uh, if your adage has always been that uh, you should get into a negatively geared property that's going to, you know, high depreciation and all that sort of stuff, um, all of a sudden you're going to fork out a lot more money to hold on to that property. So is that the right property to buy at this time, even though you may have been able to afford that when the interest rates were 2.5%. Mm. Now we're barreling towards 4.5%. Is that perhaps the right property? Or maybe we need to relook at pigeon pairing that property with something else to counteract this. Uh, the old pigeon pair. The old pigeon pair. Do you know what, Vicky? This said something really relevant there. You know, if you... If your strategy is in and around sort of negative gearing, the whole purpose for mm. it, well, well, guess what? Your strategy is going to come true. Yeah, like it, it's it is going to come true. Oh, but it's uh, great, Steve. It's a great strategy, negative gearing, because you get a tax deduction, mate. It's a strategy. Well, yeah. It's a strategy, yeah. right? Buy yeah, off the plan and negatively gear it. Yeah, the and, and the biggest risk there in that strategy is that you're totally, totally reliant on government policy. Mm. Well, that's and that's another good point, Vic, because as you mentioned earlier on, the environment changes. Anyone who thinks that the environment never changes clearly hasn't been doing it long enough or has just buried their head in the sand the whole way through it and does it because it's a, a more of a speculative approach, I guess. The environment, right. the ecosystem is always changing. From day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year, it is always changing. Does that mean that the overall North Star strategy should change? No. Should it be altered by various degrees of separation? Absolutely, it should. You keep doing that same one straight line and you will either cost yourself or you will miss out on opportunity or the journey will take longer, Mm. even though I hate the word journey. Journey. So where we're at, there's this sort of intersection of change and complacency. Um, What I'm trying to get a sense of, Vic, is – the, the 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 comparative rate of change in this market and therefore the inverse impact on complacency. Uh, it sounds a bit academic, but how much is the market changing now versus in the last five years? And I would say it's probably greater than other times, well, at least in a negative position. So therefore, the impact of being complacent is probably amplified quite a lot. If there's a little mm. bit of change, you go, oh, well, it doesn't really matter that much. When there's a lot of change, the impact gets bigger. I don't know. Or, or is that is there an equation for this? I'm, I know that you you probably could work that out. You know, E equals something square root of this, that, and the other. And I'd like you to do that at some point in time because I reckon I reckon there's a, a complacency um, uh, complacency change uh, equation for property in Australia. That's your okay. homework. Just just okay. because I've started to grow a beard does not mean I'm Einstein. 
It doesn't yeah. make him more academic, Phil. Come on, yeah. come on, mate. He's no. got a tweed coat on with leather patches on there, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a pipe out the side and of his mouth. Pipe out the side. No, but I, no, no, Vic. You did radiography, right? As That's a, right. As, as it, mate, you must know mathematics because you know half lives of atoms and stuff. You must know all mm-hmm. that sort of thing, right? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Now, now I, I want to see it anyway. <laughs> I love it. I think we're still waiting on the – wasn't there meant to be a blog that he was going to write three years ago around whatever the subject was? I'm still looking on that. Mate, I want to see on, on the Facebook, you sitting there with a white bit of paper and a black uh, texter, like with a camera over it, like drawing equations and work it out. If you put all these inputs in, it's going to give you the speed of the cost of complacency uh, in property in Australia today. This Too many variables. What are the variables? Okay, what are the variables? Let's let's talk about this. What are the variables in in the complacency quadrant? Before we talk about the variables, one really important thing, right? That at the moment, every every media article, every commentator is talking about rising interest rates. What's really happening right now is we are getting back to normal settings. We were in emergency settings. Because of COVID, now we're getting back to normal settings. And um, there's also the um, little problem of inflation, which you're trying to contain. So that's the basis of the interest rate rises. And and maybe, and, and true to form, I suppose we, we will go too far in terms of the interest rate rises, and then we may have to recorrect back. Always happens. It's We can never get it 100% right because it's not an exact science. So when you look at that and and what variables are involved apart from interest rates in a changing market, these are your your managing of your portfolio. That's your variables, so your rents, your insurances, your maintenance, uh, and then also understanding. um, I'll give you a really simple example. One of my property managers on one of my best properties, which is a... (laughs) Uh, a service department uh, contacted me and said the dishwasher is gone and uh, sent me a, uh, a, um, a link to a dishwasher, which was $980. And um, uh, I, I know for a fact that Harvey Norman is directly up opposite this complex. So I picked up the phone this morning and I, I, I talked to the property manager and said, can you get a cheaper uh, dishwasher from Harvey Norman? Oh, I didn't think about that. We, we've always bought this dishwasher from this supplier. So mm. now I want you to walk across, get me a price. Lo and behold, $500. Yep. And so, and it's directly across the road. So that's, that. if I were complacent this morning, I would have burned $400. And that's that's what, I'm, what, what we're banging on about is that you actually need to take an active role within your portfolio. Adjust to what the market is doing. Adjust to what the portfolio and the actual property is uh, demanding uh, in terms uh, in terms of time, money, management from you, and make sure that you've got a progressive plan towards all of these things. So uh, you actually need to come back to it quite regularly and and look at all of these moving parts so that you're not becoming uh, someone that comes in two years too late when the rents start coming back perhaps, and you're then trying to put up your rent when there's an influx of vacant properties in the market. Well, perhaps another example to elaborate, Vic would be uh, something that we've talked about over the last probably eight weeks around government, whether it be state or federal intervention in and around rentals uh, and or even from community organisations. And it's over the last couple of weeks, I've started to see that 
uh, narrative throughout the different media outlets become more and more noisy uh, as different organisations start to say, well, maybe we should put in a law where you can't increase rents more than once every two years or by a certain point. So if we sit back as investors and say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll get to that when I get to that and then be so far behind market that you've got to incredibly increase the rent to catch up, you may have missed the boat. You may not yep. be allowed to. Now, is that is that being a little paranoid and, and over the top? Some would argue so, but it will happen. Yeah, my, I, my I don't, words I don't think it's I don't think it's paranoid at all, Steve. Because when you look at it, we're in an absolute rental crisis. I mean, there was this um, media article in the Financial Review about this unit uh, where it had forty applicants, which was just last week mm-hmm. uh, here in Sydney. Uh, and uh, if you look at all of these things, it is natural that there will be some legislative changes brought in to protect uh, the um, uh, the renters. Uh, the flow-on effect always is, right, when you get all of this compliance work, when you get all of these um, laws come in, the flow-on effect always is that the rents actually increase because mm. the landlords need to compensate somehow. Well, there's a double, there's a double whammy effect here. We've got increasing rates, clearly, uh, and landlords are in a position to somewhat pass that through. And if you make it more uh, red tape compliant, well, it'll just compound uh, the result, which is the complete opposite of what they're trying to achieve. I reckon the government achieve. needs to be really careful because they're going to be start lobbied by these these bodies that you or, or these associations that you refer to, Steve, to try and put the brakes on uh, investors' ability to 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 raise um, uh, rents on on property. Like you can't just make you can't exclude certain parts of of the Australian economy for this and not have it elsewhere. You talk about fuel. Fuel goes up and down every single day, depending on market environments. They can't say, you know, I think it'd be very difficult to mandate that on on property to say you cannot raise rents within two years. It's just so far out of kilter uh, with with market dynamics. But the point I take from from that exchange that you guys just had is that um the the, the cost of complacency won't probably be evident immediately. It's something that takes time to realise it, um, whether it's a positive or a, a negative impact. Um, and you spoke about there burning 400 bucks on a, on a dishwasher, uh, Vic. Um, you know, it's these these micro elements of complacency which just add up and add up and add up and, and exacerbate and snowball. And two years' time, you work out and go, oh, look at the position I'm in. I've taken my eye off the ball. I should have got more involved. I should be more connected. You know, this is this this complacency, you know, um, metric, which I think when you're in the trenches and you don't see it happening um, is a really dangerous spot. And I imagine there's a lot of Australian investors sitting in it right now and they're just not doing anything about it. They might not realise well, it. Well, let's let's use you as an example in our conversation yesterday. So, Mr. That- Mr. Everyman. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Few and Far Between, the, the <laughs> you, as we discovered, and it'll come out in the next podcast or thereabouts, where some of your rents remarkably below market value and where they should be. Oh, it's not that far off, maybe at, at worst 20%. So when you say not that far off, yeah, 20%, at worst, maybe one or 20, two. Let's, let's call it 10%. 10% is still, let's take one of them, $30 a week, $1,500 a year. If you drop $1,500 in cold, hard cash getting out of your AMG Mercedes, mm-hmm. would you turn around and look for it? Mate, I, would still, you, uh, mate, I still pick up 10 cents on the floor and I see it walking past. My point, right? Yeah. However, and I'll, it would and also- I'll buy, and, I'll, and I'll buy day-old bread because it's cheaper. 
but you'll spend $60 on a Chico roll. Oh, yeah. The marathon business is really struggling at the moment. And do you know the cost of uh, cabbage and corn has gone up rapidly and carrots? Lettuce is $12 for your <laughs> BLTs. <laughs> but like all jokes aside, when you're not chasing market rent, really, if you dig deep enough, it means that you're doing okay. You're not missing it enough to be concerned over it. It's not having a direct effect to your hip pocket right here, right now, to be able to go and say, you know what? I need to do this. Mm. I will make the time to do this. And then a portfolio of your substance, you put that over four, five, six, seven, eight, a dozen, two dozen properties, and suddenly, collectively, you've got a Bentley. (laughs) (laughs) What you're talking about there, Steve, is the inflection point for when complacency becomes apparent and- that's if, the formula. That's the formula. Here we are, Victor, mate. There's so many formulas in here. Maybe v, v, vehicles U plus AT, which is <laughs> the velocity equals you initial. I could try thinking back of my 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 physics from high school. S equals UT plus a half AT squared is probably the equation. The speed of complacency equals uh you know, He's already blanked out, mate. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You've just overcomplicated it. Oh, no, 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 it is complicated has, though. I want to see that. Has, what no, are the it's inputs? Not that. What are, what are the inputs of complacency? What are the inputs of complacency? What about L equals R? Laziness okay. equals no result. True. In other, wo- in other words, don't be passive. Yeah. Mm. The, everyone wants to, well, not everyone, but a lot of people say, let's get this passive income, let's properties passive. It is not in look, any way, think, shape, or form. Yeah. When, when you look at w- with, with where the rates were and the fact that, um, you know, most people could afford to hold on to their properties, they become for one of a better word, complacent, because it's not actually hurting their hip pocket. They're actually not missing the money. They don't have to find the money as such to meet bills, to um, go for holidays, because we've got, we're coming in with a big buffer into this phase of the market right, because we haven't been able to spend it. So uh, plus the fact that we've fallen out of the habit um, of checking in. So one of the things that um, I religiously do is, even if it's just two minutes, once a week, I check in with the portfolio uh, with myself and my wife, and uh, we, we go through that religiously. It, it's become a ritual, right? And um, even with that, there are some gaps where, where we do lose detail. But if you're not doing it at all and you're trying to come back to that portfolio, it's a monumental task because you need to, first of all, uh, you know, get the feel of how it lives, lives and breathes before you can actually know what the nuances are of the portfolio and whether instinctively you would then know whether a property is uh, the, the correct rent has dropped into account or not, whether that's starting to creep up in terms of maintenance. Uh, and uh, like you said, Steve, keeping an eye on the rents, what they're doing in that area. Uh, do not take the property manager's word for gospel in terms of the rent. Just do some really basic research. Dump, jump onto realestate.com.au, get onto the rental section, plug in uh, your suburb and click off the surrounding suburbs and plug in the type of property you've got and see how many properties are there for rent and, mm. and what they're renting for. That's your competition. That's your supply. And it's as simple as that. And um, often you'll find that property managers uh, might not be quite up to speed because they, they are perhaps managing 1,500 properties and most of it is templated. Most of it is more of, okay, yeah, we, we, we 
do what we normally do. We'll give a ten dollar increase. We'll give a twenty dollar increase. Mm. Uh, rather than looking at what yeah. the market can sustain, I, I feel that's what I get from my property managers, Vic. It just feels like just just part part of process. But chatting as you were, just said, I was just thinking, and and this question for, for both of you guys, um, you know, counting the cost of complacency. If you put that in a sense of of relationships, whether business relationships, whether it's marriages, whether friendships or whatever, a lot of people get complacent. In the way they communicate, um, that manifests into into problems. So, if you put that same sense of uh, a relationship, you, you have a relationship with your property portfolio, and if you become complacent with that relationship, is when cracks start appearing. Do do you need to be in love with your property portfolio, Victor? Oh, that's deep. Do you need to have a love affair? Do you need to? And I know that that barefoot investor bloke talks about it. He talks about having a date night with your yes. your partner spouse so you can plan for the future. Do, do you actually need to have a date night with your property portfolio once every? Absolutely, yeah? absolutely. I, I I strongly believe. It. I actually practice yeah. it. Right now, you don't need to be in love with the portfolio. You need to be in love with the result that you're after. You I think you need it? to be. Yeah, I think you need to be in love with the result. But I I think. Before that, you need to be in love with the process. Yeah, but it's really because funny. It is a process. Property is unique um, because a lot of people go, "I love property." Like it's, mm. a, it's a real, it's a strange psyche Australians have around. They go, "Why do you do that?" I just love property. Well, well it's in our DNA. Phil. Well, I like property. Like I, I, I've never said that. Uh, I don't love property. You know, property is a. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's but, a tool. But I would, I would imagine that very deep. You would, you would have a. Uh, a, a closer relationship with your bricks and mortar because it's a tangible item as opposed to stocks and bonds and funds. Maybe it's. Uh, I, I would. I would probably argue that most people do because it is that bricks and mortar. It is tangible. You can drive it, touch it, smell it. So, what do you do if you've Painted. fallen if you've fallen out of love with the outcome of why you originally invested in property, Steve? How do you get reconnected? <laughs> See, counsel some candles, um, candles, and I follow charades. Counsel, I call Steve for review. Do you know what? That's, no, but that's, to your point, Vic. That's probably one of the purposes of the review or chat about it. Is. It's never it's help you fall back in love with the outcome of your property. It, but it is. But do you know when people fall out of love with their their asset, whatever it may be, is when, when it's eight not, rent rates go up. Yeah, when it's <laughs> when it's not on the. You will become a gazillionaire on the front page of every media outlet, as it was the last couple of years, because. Mm. Yeah, that's the that's the schooner of brave, braveness. I'm going to jump into that. It's going to be great. And then when it's normal or when you have that moment in time where it needs to adjust to get back to elements or um, uh, avenues of normality, they fall out of love with it. And I would probably suggest that that is more of the speculative investor as opposed to the true investor who knows that we're doing this for a 10, 15, 20-year Outcome as opposed to an immediate outcome. Yeah. So if you're more if you're more relationship orientated or emotionally um, disconnected from the asset, well, you know you'll pay the you'll pay the price. Yeah. It, so the idea is the idea is not to get lost in the journey, but to keep your eye on the destination. Wow, we're getting so deep here. Yeah, it's, it's the um, formulas that's that's working on me. I might be the beard. It's, uh, <laughs> but look, the, I, he's not the property professor. He's the uh, he's Richard the Mercer of yeah. <laughs> the Richard Mercer of residential real estate. Yeah. But I think ultimately, Phil, complacency kills the cat. On whether it be an, op- 
<laughs> got a mixed metaphor. Is that what that is? Yeah, metaphor? yeah. I'm that. I'm. I'm. I'm it's that curiosity good. killed the cat, <laughs> right? Complacency killed the cat. Maybe complacency. Yeah, well, it does yeah. because it's yeah. an opportunity cost or it's a real cost, and there's there's not much in between. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, may- maybe I think we need to maybe get a guest on this podcast, a relationship counselor of how to. Mm. Um, when, when you've fallen out of love with the outcome of your property portfolio, what do you do about it? You do you know what? Just saying, I don't want that to be the heading of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just Complacency <laughs> killed the cat. There you go. No, haven't you ever seen a cat walk on a tin roof? And oh, just tin roof. That's how I feel. That's how I feel every time Another I metaphor. catch up. <laughs> I mean, I catch up with you guys for this podcast. It's like, well, it's probably more like stepping on eggs. Stepping around eggshells, stepping on eggshells with you guys. Got to be careful what I say. I know it's- um. Well, the amount of lawsuits that you have, you have to be careful that what you say. <laughs> By the way, as a disclaimer, I am joking. There's only, there's only yeah. three, three people having a chat around property. Do not take anything we say. You know, hey, talk about, talking about three people um, sitting around a table talking about property. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was on this podcast, the one Vic and I do, where we were talking about a fireside chat. Um, and you and I have talked about that before, Phil, as a few of the other people. Mm. The amount of people that I've had come to me saying, when is that happening? That would be awesome. What's all this about? So whilst I may have been a premature um, saying when it will be, we're now accountable to it. Am I so, involved in that, am I? Yeah, you're it. You're the Apparently. MC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Think yourself lucky just saying you only just make the cut. Well, it's, well, it's, funny, it's funny you say that. We're only talking about that uh, the other day here around doing more of that sort of stuff. We've got to get the environment right, though. I've you already know, got it. It's your yeah. place. Okay, here. No, no. Oh, it's a fireside like, chat. Like an actual it's fireside like, place. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a so fire. A, yeah. So like a big bonfire. Okay. It's at, it's at your place because I know you need to light a fire. Burn some stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Company we'll pyrotechnics. Got the whole thing. <laughs> it's um, explosions, yeah, of, explosions of dollar signs everywhere. It sounds like one of those uh, property spruker is that used to be all the rage. No, 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 no. This will be just legitimately laid back just with a fire. I've spoken to a few other people who are super, super keen uh, to be there. Okay. Um, yeah. So now it's – I've now delegated that. I've just passed the ball to you <laughs> to now make that You know happen. what they say about getting – getting if you want something wrong done, give it to a busy person? Sounds like Vic's uh, – No, I'm no. not busy at all. <laughs> well, we could do it at Vic's place. you got stuff to burn, Vic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All those I tax office of files for the last 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about no, his property. Really they just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I, anyway, the, the feedback has been, please do it. It'd be awesome. So it'll be a visual thing, clearly, as well as a podcast. Yeah, I get it. That's cool. You know, and yeah, happy to do it. It should be relaxed. You know, I think a lot, a lot of people over – Goes to the point around who you know who, who and how you go about investing in property. You know people that overcomplicate property are probably the people that you don't want to be as part of the five people you hang around with. Because yeah, I think you've you've just hit the nail on the head there, Phil. And people tend to overcomplicate property. Mm. Um, in reality, it is just some basic management, and um, you know just looking at. Uh, what's going to happen in the future based on what's happening right now within the portfolio, so interest rates, rents, those sort of things, and um, taking up land approach. And mm. it, it's not complicated, not complicated at all, so long as you get some, get into some really good habits uh, of managing your portfolio. So, yeah, so there's, there's probably only a dozen things realistically that you should be continually looking at as part of the process. And over and above that, you potentially are overcomplicating it. 
Yeah, yeah. And and thus and being predictive, like really simple things, expect insurance premiums to go through the roof next year because we've gone through several floods and it, how insurance works is uh, the premiums of many fund the claims of a few, right? So they're going to they pass on that pain to all policies. So that's something you need to plan within your portfolio to say expect 20, 30% increase in the premiums on all your insurances next year. Well, even further from that, Vic, and, and one disclaimer, not an insurance expert, speak to the relevant experts. But because of what has happened in and around these uh, huge environmental losses in combination with the cost of construction, perhaps an insurance advisor would be saying to you, if you own a house or let's say it's a house, you should be assessing your cost of replacement mm. on your insurance because we know in cost of construction is up mm. 40%. So if you had a house that, as an example, that was insured for $350,000 cost of replacement three years ago, and it's not something that you're in tune with, potentially today it might be 450. And therefore you're be. underinsured. And you That's are underinsured. Very good point, Stephen. Very good point. Um, and I'd say you probably want to get on to that pretty quickly. Now, um, Vic, I'm going to throw this as in that we're just coming up with ideas. Uh, I'm going to be my bonnet around this because I think it's quite entertaining. This, this, I, I want to, I, I want someone to work out this equation around complacency and <laughs> property. So we're going to put the challenge out there to our listeners. And I know there's some really smart people out there, your your engineers, your, your sort of maths orientated people who probably go, "Ooh, I reckon I could do something with this." So, um, the competition. Whoever can create the best equation for the complacency costs in property, uh, and it's got to be uh, mathematically uh, relevant and work. Inputs need to go in, and we need to work out a score based on uh, complacency. So uh, whoever we deem to have the best uh, equation, both from a it works, but also with a bit of a, an eye towards uh, humour and uh, you know having a bit of a giggle around it. Uh, Vic is going to shout you to a lunch at Rockpool. Thanks for uh, volunteering my money. That will do. Um, uh, I, that'll be a first. He's never shouted in his life. No, no, I'll, I'll pick up the tab. I'll, I'll pick up the tab for the uh, for the oh, food. Victor excellent. Take, Another person that's never shouted in their Victor life. Well, can pick up hiding. the tab for the booze. Um, <laughs> so let's see it. Let's see. Let's see if anyone come up with something something good with this. Um, send it. To Vic, what's the best? Um, best questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Okay, questions at Right Property Group. Give us this property equation. It's got to be someone out there, so a lot smarter than us to work this out. Because um, uh, when I think back. To, to when I started my investing journey and to, to bookend this particular chat, I, I reckon I got to bought Steve twice as many properties as which what I did back then, and I didn't. Um, was that complacency? Maybe. Uh, was it other things? Maybe. But um, there's, there's got to be a way you can measure this. It's got to be a way you can measure this, considering all these inputs. So, questions at rightpropertygroup.com. Let's see what comes in. Formulas. I can see it now. It'll be some mathematician with 15 whiteboards, and the equation will just keep mm. going and keep going and keep going. It was that goodwill hunting type thing, right? You know, where yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, whatever you send to us, we own the equation, so we're uh, giving up. Macquarie <laughs> 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 Bank or someone like that will come to us Macquarie and say, Bank. "We want that." <laughs> yeah, we want that. And, uh, yeah, look, you know, <laughs> no one's thought about this before. This is why. At least we're not complacent in our conversations, uh, gentlemen. Coming up with new ideas, getting getting things done. Um, Lovely. Trying to put trying to put some sense to the world of property investment because a lot of it, Vic, is um, sentiment driven. So, yes. um, let's let's try and let's try and lock this down. Anyway, we digress. Good fun. Good chat. Good to catch up, chat. Steve. We'll see you soon, mate. Uh, 
stuck in the smart property investment um, portfolio. Um, and, and for those of you not familiar with it, you can go check it out online, smartpropertyinvestment.com. It's out. Oh, we sold a property. Ooh, newsflash. Yes, you um, did. Uh, uh, earlier this year um, on the central coast of, of Sydney, uh, I think we've got 17, 17 properties in that portfolio. Uh, so we'll get stuck into it and let you know. Uh, last vowel is about eight and a half, I think, Steve. Mm-hmm. Including, not including the the cost of that that property we sold with the, I don't know, about four odd million bucks of debt in it. So, be nice to see how that looks after a little while. Uh, Steve Waters, Victor Kumar, Right Property Group, Jens, thanks for your time today. Pleasure. Thank you. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.